This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's good, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson with you along with the CTO, Michael Remus, back at the Winnipeg Sports Talk Control Center. Big show coming up. Lots of hockey to get to. Sean Reynolds, Rennie of Kenny and Rennie fame, is in Montreal. He's going to join us in a few minutes to set up tonight's big clinch game for the Montreal Canadiens and the Vegas Golden Knights facing elimination. We'll get Rennie's take on what he's seen from the series so far, the vibe in Montreal, and can the Habs finish the job tonight and make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. All that coming up with Ken and then our good friend Frank Saravelli. Will join us. Frank's got a lot coming up. Uh, free agents, moves, a new coach in Seattle today. So um, lots of great hockey talk coming up on the program today. We'll get to some Bomber news, the latest from the playoffs, and much more before we bring in our guests. But first up, big thanks to Boston Pizza, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend, Little Brown Jug, Not Auto Corp, Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Royal Sports, PolicyMe.com, and of course, Cool Bet Canada. Let's welcome in Michael Remus to get things going while we welcome everyone that's with us live on the chat here on YouTube. What's up, everybody? And what's up, Remus? How are you feeling? Uh, we were wondering about your uh, whether you were going to be D2D or a game time decision today after getting your shot yesterday, but uh, you, you look quite good. Yeah, thank you. I'm feeling pretty good this morning, almost uh, wondering if everything was into effect. I hear everyone gets that second shot and knocks them on their ass. I had mine yesterday. I didn't feel great yesterday evening. I just went home and took a nap after dinner. After that, I've been totally fine. So the first one I thought was was way worse. Um, this one, I guess it affects everyone differently. Um, you had asked me, did you take a selfie to activate the vaccine? <laughs> I took one. I didn't post it on social media. I did send it to my wife saying it's done. But uh, I didn't. I did take one to make sure that everything uh, was working properly. You have to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the way it goes. I, you know, you, if you want to make sure the vaccine works, I think you have to make a post on social media showing that you got it and have the sticker to prove it. The sticker is more important than the vax card hey. right now. I mean, if you want to go to a bomber game, can you just bring the sticker? Will that be? Uh, will that get you in? Yeah. Well, I took did it at a. a clinic i didn't do it at the super site and they didn't give me a sticker after and i was like what i didn't get a sticker i was like really bummed that i didn't get the sticker um you know i i did the first one at the super site and it's like a party in there everyone's like happy getting their shots uh you know staying socially distant you get the sticker and then um and then I did it like alone and it just didn't have the same impact, you know? I had like, the opposite. I went to, I was the only person in this tiny pharmacy when I got my first shot, but I did a walk in at the Leela Super Site on the weekend. And it was unbelievable. I mean, first off, I mean, not being a soccer player, having kids involved in it, I'd never been in, I don't live in that area either. I'd never been in that building before. Oh my God. I mean, it's incredible. I, I was blown away. And to be honest, I think a lot of the, the volunteers and the people that are working there deserve a lot of credit for just how well organized it seems to be and how quickly we're getting these shots in. And of course, that's why we got the news that we're moving up. Saturday is the day we can hook up on a yeah. patio. I popped by Boston Pizza yesterday. They're very much looking forward to getting people back at the restaurant side. I know they're expanding some of the patios. There will be limited indoor dining as well. Uh, but obviously, people quite excited about where we're at right now. And I tell you what, we're going to talk a lot of hockey. By the way, shout out to Hockey Card Talk, who's with us live on YouTube today. Said that he's uh, he said let's uh, let's get some sports talk out in the boat fishing. Right on, 
Um, give us some takes. And I know, Remus, you dropped in about the Logan Stanley rookie mm. card. Yes, there is a another upper deck update of this season's cards coming out in early July. So that will be your first opportunity to get the uh, the big Stan Winnipeg Jets Young Guns rookie yeah. card. How about your um, Sammy Niku, like one of one auto that's that's coming oh, out? What is it? It's out of 81. It's out of 81. Oh, it's out his of jersey no, number. Sorry, his jersey number, yeah. You know what? I meant to actually go check and see if that came in for an unboxing on the program, but uh, I forgot to do that. So I have not seen. I'm an- anxiously awaiting the arrival of Sammy Niku. Um, and it's an amazing card, too. It's it's pretty much as we remember Sammy uh, walking to the press box in a suit. Yeah. Um, so they- <laughs> That's the card that they did not have been playing. No, 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 no. He's walking down the hall in a suit. Yeah. And in some ways, it's sort of a perfect encapsulment of Sammy's time with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, obviously, he had a great American Hockey League, uh, the great times with the Manitoba Moose, but he just hasn't been able to crack it. it. You know, we'll get into this probably more so in the next few weeks. Where does a guy like Niku end up next season? Or, you know, with somebody moving out, maybe there's a chance that he can be a depth player on the club. Yeah. I, you know, as I said, we don't need to go down the Niku rabbit hole right now because yeah. <laughs> well, he's actually topical because we're having Frank Cervelli on, and he announced yesterday that he's going to Daily Faceoff, the premier site uh, for line combinations, especially if you're doing daily fantasy. Um, that is the best site, and he's posted his trade targets. No longer trade bait. I guess that name is trademarked. Uh, he's on trade targets, and number one, Jack Eichel. They're expecting him to get moved, or Frank is. But number 20 on the list uh, is Sammy Niku. And it's just like, he barely played. Like, why is he on the team if they're trying so hard not to use him at all? So might as well trade him. Maybe someone wants him. But I think, yeah, his, his time here seems to be coming to an end. Well, maybe he ends up on the Seattle Kraken, uh, you know, as part of uh, some sort mm-hmm. of a deal in and around the expansion draft. We'll get to the Kraken in a second because they made some news today. Uh, but before we kind of dive in with a lot of hockey talk, let's quickly touch on the Bombers. Uh, some news, Remus, and we heard today, uh, and, and I can't say this is a surprise considering what we heard yesterday from the provincial government, but um, the Bombers are going to hopefully have a full house of vaccinated fans for their opening game. And I, listen, I thought that the earliest we could possibly see a full house was into September. But to be honest, I wasn't sure whether they would be able to limit attendance to people that have had both their vaccines and if I've waited the two weeks. And it certainly sounds like that is a plan. I have no problem with it. I mean, as I said, I'm, I've got the shot. I'm, I want to go to the games. If that what makes it safer and easier and better for everyone involved, that's great. And maybe it'll be a more of an incentive for some people that are on the fence to actually get it. Uh, but it was interesting to hear how quickly things seems to be going forward, assuming that people have both vaccines. And yeah, it might mean getting into the stadium. There's an extra step to it. But I'll tell you what, if that's what it takes for the Bombers to go from 50% to 100% capacity, I think it's great for the fans that want to be in the building. And it's certainly great for the football team who desperately needs the ticket revenue as soon as possible. Yeah, I think the um, vaccine, you know, intake or whatever by the province, it's uh, faster than anticipated. So if that's what it takes, you know, everyone, you have to show your vaccine card to get in. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be able to have 100 percent. So, you know, I, I, you know, nice to see Wade coming out at articles in the free press in the sense saying, hey, we want to get a full building. And I guess it really depends on if the province will allow it. But I think it seems, you know, that's like over a month away. And if you do get, you know, vaccinated before, you know, two weeks before the August 5th start date, you would be able to go. So 
Um, I think that's kind of cool. We'll wait and see. And I see Richard in chat saying, can you purchase tickets? I don't think they've put out anything yet. I saw someone asking Darren Cameron. I think, I think they're trying to wait and see, you know, what capacity they're able to have and season ticket holders would get first priority. And then they'd go from tell there. you what though, if yeah. you, if you want to, if you want to throw down and become a season ticket member, they yeah. will absolutely take your order right now. I mean, I know, I, I believe it was Eric, someone, he was wanting them to get some local beers involved. Yeah, I saw that. that and he said, okay, I'm a man of my word. I said, I'd be buying season tickets if they did. So they did that. So certainly season tickets are available. I, there's no information as of right now on individual tickets, but, uh, Tell you what, it's going to be a great season. They're great cup champs. If there was ever a time to maybe pick up a pair of season tickets and make yourself a regular after getting the vaccine, I'd say this is it. Um, one other interesting note on the Bombers, um, as far as training camp goes, Remus, uh, and there's been nothing official for the Bombers right now, but it seems like the Riders and Bombers are going to be playing a, quote, controlled scrimmage or controlled practice on the 24th of July in Regina. And what's interesting about this is that there are no preseason games this year. I, from the sounds of it, it's not a preseason game, but the riders are going to be selling tickets to the controlled practice and the teams are going to be playing each other. Um, I would imagine this will be about as close to a preseason game as teams will have. And it sounds like Calgary and Edmonton are looking in to do that. Um, listen, no one's going to care what happens in a controlled practice that's not even officially a game. But for both of those teams to be able to get some live reps against legit CFL competition before the opening game, certainly I think bodes well for both clubs, especially the Bombers, who are going to have their hands full with an angry Ticat squad coming here to the peg on the 5th of August. Yeah, Jamie Nye from the Green Zone tweeting this out. Are you ready for some football controlled scrimmage? Yeah, they'll be selling tickets. And he wrote, sounds like the Riders picking up the cost of the Bombers travel to Regina that day. So they can evaluate some younger players in the final week. So is there going to be a betting line on it? Will there be odds? Can we do <laughs> fantasy for CFL I don't think so. preseason? I don't think so. Controlled practice? Yeah, sorry. Controlled practice. I'm kind of <laughs> curious about this. Will it be televised, streamed? Uh, lots to take in. Uh, I mean, we're thirsty here for some CFL football, and uh, that is one story we'll be keeping our eyes <laughs> Larry on. Bong, will Fajardo hit the uprights? Ah, well, yeah. that's always a member. The MVP, the, the unsung hero of the Bombers Grey Cup victory, the south end zone uprights in the Regina Stadium. Uh, Mosaic Field, great stuff. Um, let's uh, let's get to some hockey, though, Reem. Uh, you know, obviously, this you know we'll continue having the latest on the Bombers. Looking forward to having some more Bomber guests as we get closer to training camp opening. Uh, but right now, everyone talking about hockey. And listen, just before we get to the games, um, the big news today of the National Hockey League outside of the playoffs is the Seattle Kraken have their first head coach. And I got to give Ron Francis a lot of credit. Um, they sort of are following in the, uh, it seems, in the footsteps of the Jets and the way they keep information so tightly guarded in-house. Uh, I don't know about you, but I didn't hear anyone saying Dave Haxall was going to be the next coach of the Seattle Kraken. And there you have it, just uh, announced officially in the last hour or so. Hack is back and is the uh, first ever head coach for the Seattle NHL squad. Yeah, it seems more and more real that the 32nd team is almost here. Finally, uh, have the head coach. You know, Rick Tockett was the name that we had heard all about. Not too much. Dave Haxall, last coach, the Philadelphia Flyers. Previously, did uh, was at UND. I know a lot of Flyers fans by the end of his tenure were ready to uh, give him the boot, but uh, he's back and he's gonna be the face. Came in with a goatee now. I think that was the uh, the big comments I saw. He's evil Axel now. He's changed. So 
Um, we'll see. I mean, it's a big responsibility. The you know first coach of a new franchise. I think a lot more duties beyond just uh, coaching. You got to be the face of uh, the team. So we will see how it goes. I had to laugh, and this is just typical social media where everyone bitches about anything and everything at all times. But they had not even officially announced it. Word had sort of leaked out, and there were already people shitting on the Kraken for hiring Axtell as their head coach. They don't even have a player yet, and they already apparently have some people that are mad online about the hire. Welcome to 2021, and welcome to Seattle, Dave. Uh, it is an interesting hire, though, Reeman, that... You know, Haxtell, if you look at his record with Philly over the what, three and a half seasons he was there, it's pretty good. I mean, they had a few teams. I mean, look how bad this team was this year. And of course, they he was replaced by a very experienced uh, tenured coach in Elaine Vigneault. Um, I think that the idea behind this, certainly from the Seattle perspective, is that, you know, we've seen a lot of coaches get fired the first time and come back on their next runaround and be much better coaches with much more experience. Um, I always remember talking to Scott Arneal after, you know, he uh, was, uh, you know, got fired as a head coach. And he said, you know, it's funny. You go there and you think you've all got all the answers. And after a year on the job, you realize you didn't even know the questions when you started. So certainly Hackstall, it's an interesting hire. I'm certainly going younger. And I'm not sure whether this is a bit of a tip off uh, that they'll be going with a younger team. I mean, not really the Vegas model trying to win it all in the first year. Um, so I don't know what you think about that, Remo, but certainly um, Dave Hackstall was not, I wasn't expecting to hear Hack as the, uh, as the guy for the Kraken. No, I don't think I was expecting that either, but I guess he's got experience. He was available. Uh, maybe, I don't know if he was their, their first choice, uh, you know, Rod Brindamar, we had heard for so long, then he'd be signed with Carolina. So we'll wait and see. And yeah, I don't think any, any expansion team is going to follow the quote unquote Vegas model i think that's impossible i don't know what the although you know heading into the season everyone thought vegas was going to be awful but it turned out that you know william carlson had a breakout year rally smith and march so um you know really stepped up i remember gary telling us just how surprised you know he was with riley smith's performance based on what he had heard and you know they had got tuck and holla who were big so i'm very curious how the gms are going to approach us there were a lot of side deals made before vegas won what was the record in those side deals? Like hundred percent? Like what was the winning percentage? <laughs> they they didn't get worked very often. No, no. I don't think. Yeah, they, they, listen, they got their pound of flesh if a team wanted to keep a player. That's for sure. Yes, <laughs> yes. So uh, we'll see how how it goes. And I know the expansion draft is a big priority here for Jets fans. Who are they going to keep? And if you do want to go on our YouTube channel, there are some videos you and Marat earlier this week. That's featured video of um, you guys going through the Jets expansion plans. You know, it seems like it seems like for the Jets, just you know, sidetracking a bit. Copper Appleton would be the last forward to protect, and D um, Demello Stanley. Although some people are like, "Well, would you expose Morrissey and hope that they take the contract?" And I think someone they're, someone asked that comment. I was like, "I don't think that's going to happen." No, no, I don't. They're they're not going to think about that for a second. I mean, they've got a long term commitment to Morrissey. He's one of their best defensemen. I mean, yeah, he had an up and down season for sure, but. Zero chance of that happening from where I'm at. Um, listen, we've got Rennie coming on just a second from Montreal, Reem, but how about the New York Islanders? I told you this was going to seven, uh, but I'll be honest, looking at a 2 nothing score, I thought maybe it was done, but you cannot kill Barry Trotz's New York Islanders. They come back, Beauvillier, terrible giveaway by Blake Coleman and OT. Beauvillier makes them pay, and uh, they're going back to Tampa. No one cares about the 8 nothing embarrassment. They got another crack to get over on the Lightning and make it to the Stanley Cup final tomorrow. 
Oh, another another crack. That was that a, a callback to our Kraken discussion? <laughs> but uh, but the Islanders. I mean, we had said you know it was easy to come back from you know that eight nothing blowout. Um, you know we were looking at the lines. I was like, well, Coliseum at home, sure. You know Islanders home dogs. Uh, let's go with it. They pulled off the win, game seven, and now we'll wait to see. Can we get double game seven to get in the Stanley Cup final? That would be absolutely incredible. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. The big news for the Lightning was Nikita Kucherov, who was hurt early in the game. Was it from a cross check from Scott Mayfield? Was it from something like, else? Like it? <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah. I mean, no. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any supplementary discipline on that. So uh, he's game time. Maybe he'll tough it out. We will. We will wait and see. Sandy, Sandy says, Hustler, didn't you put money on the Islanders to win last night? I did have a little sprinkle on Barry Trotz's Islanders. I believed that they would definitely come back. And, um, you know, I, I figured that they would be a much better team than they were than they got embarrassed. I mean, if there's one thing, this Islanders team is resilient and they showed it last night in spades. Don't know whether they can get it done in game seven, but I'm certainly here for it. Speaking of game sevens, we'll see whether we have one tonight between the Canadians and the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll head to Montreal in just a second to speak with Sean Reynolds. Uh, before that, I want to tell you about policyme.com. PolicyMe is an online life insurance company that allows Canadians to buy life insurance in minutes, 100% online, and at the most affordable price. I mean, no one wants to think about death, but COVID-19, frankly, has been a good reminder that the impossible can happen, and it's important to be prepared for the worst. And life insurance is exactly that. It's the security you need to know that your family is protected no matter what happens. Um, And listen, it's not a sexy purchase. It's probably more of a pain in the ass than anything, and it's not something you're really excited to buy but you know that you need to do it but it's easy to procrastinate when it involves awkward meetings long a uh, long period of time finding out if you're approved and policy means taking care of all of that first off offering great rates roughly 10 to 20 percent lower than other insurers in canada policy also will uh, let you know if you're approved for coverage instantly instead of waiting weeks like most other companies and most people don't require a medical exam and the bottom line with policyme.com which people love the most is it's easy simple straightforward and quick what traditionally took weeks and involved confusing paperwork and insurance jargon is now done around 15 minutes through an easy to understand application very simple folks take care of it don't put it off any longer find out more policyme.com you won't even need to talk to anybody it's all done online get a great rate and you can go forward go to policyme.com fill it out and uh, when they ask you where you heard about policyme.com make sure you mention podcast uh big shout out to the royal sports guys we got the final round of 16 set for euro and before kickoff on the weekend why don't you pop by support your club with one of the amazing jerseys with uh, all the teams in euro available at royal sports as well as the stars of the euro with their club teams around the world while you're there you can check out that great disc golf setup they've got uh bikes camping equipment everything you need to dominate summer as we get ready to get back outside and enjoy time with friends royal sports 750 Pembina Highway, 650 Rally in EK. If you've got a teenager that's into skateboarding as well, of course, King Skate Snow and Surf is there. And check out their Instagram contest, Vaxed and Waxed. It's Kings underscore SSS. Uh, free t-shirt and some great prizes uh, involved in that as well. It's all there on Instagram. And of course, our shout out to Nick and Nikki DQ, our partners from the get-go. It's blizzard weather right now, folks. And also, now that you know there might be a few more gatherings, now is definitely a time to 
get them working on a DQ cake for you. You can find out more or order them at DQ Manitoba or pop by any of the Nick and Nicky DQ locations in Niverville, Northgate, DQ Polo Park, or DQ St. Anne's, and tell them your friends at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. All right, let's head out to Montreal. Get ready for Game 6 tonight. It's St. Jean-Baptiste Day, national mm-hmm. holiday in Quebec. I can't imagine what the atmosphere is like in Montreal. Well, let's go there and find out from Rennie himself, Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet and Kenny and Rennie, getting ready to get back to work tonight for Game 6. What's going on, dude? How are you? I'm doing great, Huss. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Um, you know, I've really enjoyed this round. Um, I'm amazed. I can't really wrap my head around the fact that the Habs are one win away from moving on to the Stanley Cup final and Vegas is uh, up against uh, up against it tonight. And of course, we saw what the Islanders were able to do last night down to nothing. I think everyone had pretty much penciled the lightning into the Stanley Cup final. And yet they come back. I mean, uh, it, it's there have been two really, really interesting series just before. I know we'll spend most of the time on Montreal. What do you make of the Islanders just uh, refuse to lose mentality in the way they gutted that one out last night and extended the series to seven? Well, I wasn't sure. I mean, I, I like you, was thinking for sure we were going to get Tampa in the final there. Uh, I knew the 8 nothing game was clearly an outlier and that uh, things, you know, there was a lot of crazy bounces that didn't go their way in that game. It just seemed like the hockey gods turned against them. <clears throat> in that game. So I, I thought that they'd give more of a pushback, but I thought what we were seeing, you know, a two, nothing two one win is what we could expect from Tampa in that game. Because one thing we have learned about Tampa is they're just as comfortable uh, in, in a one, nothing game as they are in an eight, nothing game. They can play that grinded out defense. They're not, it's not easy to come back in a game against them. So when they went up like that, I thought that was it. So credit to the New York Islanders and Mayfield's the guy with the absolute perfect shot. You know, one of the last guys that you would expect, but that's that New York Islanders team, isn't it? They have complete and total buy-in. We had Jason York on one of our Kenny and Rennie shows, and he talked about times when he played for Barry Trotz in Nashville. And he'd said, the one thing I can tell you with absolute certainty about any team that Barry Trotz is coaching is it is clear in that room that the guy with the least amount of points and leading the team in, in minus uh, is as important and held in as high regard as the guy who's leading that team and scoring and carrying the team on their back. It's, it's an entire team effort. And that's why you're able to get that, the buy-in from players like that in those moments. And, you know, to, to give Mayfield credit, I thought he kind of started that, hot third period that we we saw with the end of that uh, second period when he kind of went at it with Steve Stamkos and started that big brouhaha. I mean, there's a player that not a lot of people have heard about, a lot of, not a lot of people know that much about, who inserted himself as a difference maker in that game and huge reason why New York Islanders are sending that to seven. And and I'm fascinated to see what happens with that series because the Islanders, I still think Tampa is going to win, but they've shown that they can win on any night and they always seem to have a way to figure this out. They're like hockey's version of the undertaker. I mean, every time you think they're done, they, you know, lift up, get the gifts going and you can't kill the New York Islanders. Bring on game seven. Um, Sean, uh, game six tonight, you've been there since game four, I believe. Game three. Game three. three. Okay. What was yesterday like? I mean, take us, we'll talk about the hockey in a sec, but I mean, around Montreal, I can't imagine what the excitement must be like. Um, A lot of Habs jerseys on the streets and uh, people probably literally counting down the hours till they drop the puck tonight. 
Yeah, it's buzzing. And as you said, it's La Fête, La Fête Nationale. It's a national holiday for them here. So there's the, the deck is being cleared. And I, by saying this, I'm giving you a preview into what I'm going to say on Hockey Night in Canada tonight. But there's a full moon. Uh, I mean, everything is kind of lining up to make this just a potentially crazy, crazy night here in Montreal. And it, it blows me away. I mean, uh, Shea Weber was talking about the fact someone asked him, you know, you were seven years old the last time the Montreal Canadiens went to the Stanley Cup final. Do you remember that at all? And he's like, yeah, no. And so it's like old man Shea Weber, the old grizzled veteran, doesn't remember that 93 cup run. So it just gives you an idea that I'm doing these hits outside of the Bell Centre for, for the beginning of the game, kind of trying to show off the atmosphere, same as we did when we had the, you know, the Whiteout Street party and, and uh, the, the, everyone is so young, right? And, and that's what happens, right? I mean, that's, that, that was you at that age. That was me at that age. That's when you, fandom is probably at its most uh, severe and most uh, heated. And, and, but I kept thinking to myself, like, this is the Montreal Canadiens. And I grew up, my dad was a Habs fan. So I was well-versed in the Montreal Canadiens and all the things that they'd done. And I grew up and they won the cup the year I was born. And then again, when I was one years old and I was old enough to remember them at winning in 86 and uh, in my early teens when they won it in 93. So even I've seen, you know, the success of the Montreal Canadiens franchise, but there's like anyone 30 and under who's a Montreal Canadian fan doesn't know what it's like for this to be a historic, you know, dangerous franchise. So they're seeing this for the first time in their lives. And there's something about, I'm sure, you know, your, your Kansas city chiefs won uh, the other day, like it, it, when, when something like that happens and it's a fairly novel experience, you know, it's something that you're basically experiencing for the first time. It's that much sweeter. So, you know, that there are memories being made with every win the Habs have. And tonight has the potential to be massive, massive memories made in the city of Montreal. You know, it's a great point. And actually it's funny you bring up Kansas city because it kind of reminds me of the Royals when they went to the Stanley, yeah. the, the world series in 2014 and then finally won it in 2015. I mean, I was there for game six and seven in 2014. Actually, Weber made it down for game six as well. And I mean, the excitement was insane, but you're exactly right. I mean, this team had stunk basically since they won the world series in 1985. So you have a whole generation that's just used to losing. And, yeah. but then again, don't have all those banners like the Montreal Canadians do up in it. I got to tell you, it's funny. I mean, I'm doing these shows on uh, Sportsnet in Calgary with the guys on 960 with Steinberg and Will Nalton. It was after Montreal came back and beat Toronto. We were just going into this Winnipeg series. And, you know, I was still pretty feeling pretty good about Winnipeg. But I did say, I got to be honest, the way they came back and won that series against Montreal, I don't know. I'm just getting these 1993 vibes. And Will was all over me. Like, what are you talking about? This is... You, know, you can't just win a couple games and start citing this incredible historic run with 10 overtime wins in 1993. And game by game by game, it just seems more and more like there is some sort of magic ride that this Habs team uh, is on right now. But I'll tell you what, they haven't been stealing games, Sean. Um, you know, you go yeah. back to game number five in particular. I mean, they were full marks for their performance. They absolutely deserve to win. And man, there's a lot of guys in that Vegas Golden Knights dressing room, probably much like the Winnipeg Jets were as this series continued, looking themselves in the mirror going, how the heck do we get something going against this team? 
Yeah, I think it's an important point you made there because I've heard that line about uh, my, my old when I used to in another life before I did this, I was a construction worker and my old construction boss was a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. And so he was always talking about the Leafs. And, and, and you know, every time they get knocked out of the playoffs, uh, I give him a text or a phone call and I, you know, stick the knife into the ribs a little bit. Right. It's the fun part about being fans. But he was talking about this Habs team after knocking them off and. I was here for the last round. And then at the beginning of this round, he texted me and said, you know, this is feeling like kind of like a team of destiny, you know, and, and, you know, that there's some kind of magic working for them. And a lot of times when we associate like teams of destiny, it's like the stars align, everything like kind of happens well for that team. Well, that, that's not what's happened for this Montreal Canadiens team, right? Like they lost Jake Evans in that the Jets series, and he's not the most important player, but he's uh, he, he, he served a purpose on this team, but they had their, their, they're built well and built with depth, so they were able to cover that off. Then they lose their head coach. I mean, how much harder does it get than that? And they walk in against Vegas, and I think you're thinking, you know, a, a team of destiny is a team that has bounces, bounces, bounces. And right for sure. That game, Marc-Andre Fleury gives them that goal. That's a bounce. That's a little bit team of destiny. Like, but I still contend in that game that the, the screw, the massive screw ups were even earlier in that game. Stahl had passed the puck out in front of the net and created an, a goal that was as close as you get to an own goal uh, in that situation anyway. So to your point, it, the, the Canadians have been the better team against Vegas in this series. Vegas is extremely frustrated right now because the Montreal Canadiens are playing the exact same way they did against the Winnipeg Jets. It took a little bit longer, but that game five to me looked very much like what we saw in the last three games in the Leaf series and what we saw in all four games in the Jets series. It looked like it took them a little bit of time to figure out Vegas, but it seems to me like they've got there and they've got that suffocating presence about them now uh so if, if you want to call them a team of destiny the destiny for this team started way back in the summer when uh Bergevin was putting this team together creating this ridiculous depth going out and getting Joel Edmondson and getting this massive presence the he uh the Luke Richardson likes to call them the four Clydesdales on the back <laughs> end there this is a deep team that is extremely hard to play against and now has a lot of young players who are jumping up into the limelight when the time is right. They are winning the way teams should win in the playoffs. Yeah, that being said, what happened in game three, and I say this as someone that also had a Vegas and regulation bet, I mean, that is the sort of divine intervention that happens to teams. Um, I mean, you can't we'll give them that it. one. It yeah. seems insane. And, and listen, that, you know, in a lot of ways completely flipped this series. I mean, the fact that Vegas won game four was somewhat shocking because they stunk in that game. I mean, Montreal deserved to win game number four and Vegas got it. Uh, but right. Montreal clearly the better team in game number five. You know, Remus brought this up yesterday on the program, Ren. I'd li I like your thoughts on this. You know, there's a lot of people that were really disappointed in the way the Jets played and the lack of a pushback and just sort of, you know, everything happened in game number one and, you know, and then it was over. Should Jet fans look at that series differently and maybe temper their, or should their disappointment be waned a little bit because of what we're seeing Montreal do against Vegas? Because let's face it, the party line in many circles around the NHL was it doesn't matter who wins that series because they're going to get embarrassed by whoever won the West Division. And that just simply is not happening. 
Yes, it's funny. Uh, Ken and I host these chat rooms for Sportsnet, and someone asked that very question last night about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, do you let the Leafs off the hook a little bit more now, uh, knowing what the Canadians are? Um, and and I would say in both cases, I'd say to a degree, yes. I still think if you take a look at this situation, uh, Toronto um, ground out and made it a seven-game series against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, this Vegas Golden Knights team, like you'd said, has, has I, I, I see this as, you're totally right, and it's again why I don't necessarily see the, the, the Canadians as a team of destiny, because yes, the Canadians won game three, which they probably shouldn't have won, but Vegas won game four, which they probably shouldn't have won. Flip-flop those games, the Canadians have been the best team for three games of this series and Vegas the be- best team for two. I would say this about the Jets and, you know, that uh, in their exit meetings, they they said Mark Scheifele uh, was a guy that, that he wasn't in that series and that had a massive effect and things could have been very differently. If you are suggesting that Mark Scheifele um, was coming back into that series and the Jets were beating the Montreal Canadiens the way that went, then you shouldn't be mad that the Jets... Uh, got knocked out by the Canadians. You should be mad that Mark Shifley isn't up for the Hart Trophy because that's MVP territory. If you're trying to tell me that the Winnipeg Jets went from getting swept four straight games to adding Mark Shifley, who is in one of those games, and they turn around to win that series. I don't see that happening. I, you can take a look at it and say, if you're the Winnipeg Jets, that you lost to a really, really, really deep, solid team. It's not a means of them not showing up, and I don't know that there's a lot of people that think that. I The one thing I would take away from that is all the talk we're hearing about the Jets saying we were in the final eight and we're right there and we're on the verge of being a dynasty you got worked by a team that showed it was clearly clearly better than you and that's the standard you have to get to so while you lost to a really good team that looks like it could be going to the Stanley Cup final you lost in a very very bad way uh that they, they weren't in the same league as the montreal canadians in that series uh and and it shows you they've they've got a ways to go to get to a place where because you're taking a look around like you'd said potential for game sevens on both sides the new york Islanders, tampa bay lightning vegas golden knights uh and uh montreal canadians are ferocious ferocious teams and i think what the jets showed in getting swept by the canadians is that they're not at that level and they've got ways to go sean reynolds of sportsnet and kenny and rennie with us here on winnipeg sports talk daily live from montreal you can check him on the broadcast of tonight's game um let's go to the vegas side of things it's been stunning to see how impotent their forwards have been i mean alex petrangelo was the guy that's you know creating all the offense for them i mean in particular mark stone who looks frustrated and confused right now how much of this, in your opinion, Sean, is the Vegas Golden Knights not getting it done? And how much credit does Montreal deserve for the way they're frustrating the Vegas forwards? I think the Canadians deserve all the credit. They're playing to their strengths, their defense they talked about, their four Clydesdales. Um, and it's not just them. We give those d- defensemen credits for kind of cleaning up the front of the net, and they should get the credit for that. But watch the game tonight, Huss, and see how often the puck goes back to the point and you'll see the Montreal Canadiens, like if you took a snapshot at the moment, the puck goes back to the point. It's like five heads all turning at the same time. And then the top two forwards scrambling to get out there as fast as they can. And what you're seeing often is really good defensemen like Shea Theodore and Alex Petrangelo are taking that guy and using momentum against him getting into an open space and scoring. That's why they're getting all their their goals from, from the point is because the Montreal Canadiens are conceding the shot from the point. I asked Dom Ducharme about it when Dom Ducharme was still in this series about the concern when they were heading home 
tied 1-1 in this series, or maybe it was after they went up 2-1 in the series, the concern that they didn't seem to be able to stop Vegas from getting its offense from the point. And his answer was essentially, you can't shut everything down. You got to pick your poison, right? And the poison they've chosen is allowing shots from the point. And at one point, or I guess after seven of 11 of their goals have come from defensemen in this series. And some of the offense that at least one, maybe two of the goals that they've scored on offense are from shots from the point that have either been redirected or tapped in in front. So their offense is definitely coming from the point. So I say this, the Montreal Canadiens have chosen to allow the most dangerous shots to come from the point. That's been problematic when Carey Price can't see it. It's kept Vegas in this series, and they've got very capable defensemen who are able to take advantage of that, and they have. But the trade-off means that while Vegas's defense feels good about what it's doing, Vegas's forwards feel absolutely horrible and frustrated and disengaged. And that frustration is exactly what the Canadians want. Mark Stone the other day on the third goal in Game 5 does the wrong play instead of dumping it in he tries to carry it in it's very unmarked stone like this is not the kind of plays that he makes but these guys are so frustrated they're frustrated they're trying to make something happen and in doing so they're creating uncharacteristic mistakes the canadians are pouncing on it and going the other way so i still don't I, I like I, I still think it's dangerous. I mean, we could see a two-one game tonight with two goals coming from the point, another two-goal night by Alex Petrangelo, who's been phenomenal in this series, because the Canadians continue to give that up time and time again. Uh, but right now they're playing a bet and the bet is paying off for them so far. Sean, let's get to the goaltending situation. I mean, it has been fascinating. I mean, that DeBoer went back with Laner, who in a lot of ways, stole game four for them. Um, you know, totally. they didn't play very well. Leonard was the star. Fleury goes back in. He loses. Um, I guess, I mean, you're around there. We're hearing reports. It's likely Robin Laner going in. What do you make of that decision? And um, is that what you would do? At this stage, that's what I would do. Marc-Andre Fleury has lost... Um, is, is one and three against the Canadians in this series. I completely agree with you that Robin Lehner stole game four. Um, now all that, so I, w- I would most definitely go with Robin Lehner at this stage. All that said, I wouldn't have pulled Marc-Andre Fleury in the first place. I think it's created a problem with this team. Uh, I think that it, Robin Lehner stole game four because he had to steal game four because his team didn't respond well. And you talked about that Canadians uh, win in game three as being kind of what flipped the series so far. And I agree with you totally. And maybe it's that, that giveaway by Marc-Andre Fleury but I can't fully pin it on that because this Vegas Golden Knights team is a resilient team. Look what they did to the Colorado Avalanche who were about to go up 3-0 on them, come back, win that third game in that series, and then win four straight games against the team that most people, including myself, thought were the best team in the league. This is a resilient team. I don't see that one play as having them you know, throw up their hands and say, we can't do this anymore. But what I do think is the reaction to go to Robin Lehner in game four, even though he wins that game for that team, if you go back to that game, Vegas, the forwards and the defense didn't really show up in that game. To your point, Montreal was the far better team. So a lot of times when you switch your goaltenders, what you're looking for is not just what that goalie gives you, but a response from the rest of your team. And and regardless of whether you can blame it on that goaltending move, they did not get a good response by switching goaltenders in that game. And then they switched back to Marc-Andre Fleury. They lose that 
game again because the forwards really didn't show up in that game. The team didn't show up. Marc-Andre Fleury wasn't at fault for that loss. He didn't let any bad goals. Uh, but at this stage, you got to go back to the guy who, who showed that he can shut down the Canadians all by himself. But man, what a mammoth task. You head into the game and it's like, you know, hey, Robin, uh, we're down in the series. You lose tonight. We're out. The forwards aren't going. The defense really haven't been going the last couple of games. We've been outplayed for basically five and a half of the last six periods that we've played here. Uh, no big deal. You just got to go in and steal another game for us. And maybe Robin Lehner's built like that. And maybe that's a good thing. Uh, and I do think it's what they have to do. But I never would have started playing with this. I think it's had a negative impact on the team. Uh, and I think that's what we've seen since game four. It is pretty insane that we're talking about a elimination game tonight in the third round of the playoffs and a guy that has won all the games with the except one and is a Vesna trophy finalist is going to be on the bench tonight for this game, Sean. Oh, it's 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 crazy, right? But I mean, and therein lies the problem uh, with having two goaltenders like that. Like, I think the problem goes back a long way. I th- I think the and and I, I'm I'm guessing. Well, I'm not guessing. They've tried to address this before. They've tried to move one of those two goaltenders, and I know they say that they're okay with going with the two-headed monster and net like that, and having that quality and that much money tied up in those goaltenders, and that's fine. And they say that the two goaltenders get along, and I'm sure they do. And I'm sure that they're not jealous of each other. Um, and they say that they handle the load together in the regular season. And yes, they do. And I think it works out just fine. But the playoffs are different. If you're Marc-Andre Fleury and your coach comes up to you in game four and says, we are going with the other guy, especially after you had that egregious mistake, one, you're robbing that goaltender of his opportunity to correct his own mistake, which drives number one guys. And that's like, could you imagine Connor Hellebuck, how he would respond the fire we know he has. If he had a move like that and his coach came to him the next game and said, we're going with the other guy and didn't give him the opportunity to try and correct his mistake. He would rip a door off its hinges in a situation like that. And and the fact of the matter is in the playoffs, when you go to your goaltender and say, we're going away from you and going to another guy, you can tell he can tell you that it's because he thinks you're tired or that you match up better against the other team or whatever. But all that goaltender is hearing is, I think we have a better chance of winning with you out of the net. So Mark andre Fleury heard that in Game 4. Robin Lehner heard that in Game 5. Now they're going back and forth. I don't know that either of these goaltenders feel they have the full backing of their coach. I think the team's confused by it. I thought they never should have started playing this game. Uh, and now watch Robin Lehner go out and steal another game and totally make me look like I don't know what I'm talking about. Has, uh, <laughs> has Alan Walsh weighed in on this yet? Or uh, I'm refreshing his Twitter feed every 15 minutes to yeah. see if he has a new illustration or something for tonight's Game 6. It is kind of funny. Um, on the side all jokes aside though um huge opportunity for vegas uh, more of a big opportunity for montreal to end it on a special day in quebec like sean after the end of the jets hab series i was on one of the late night editions with you and ken on kenny and rennie and yes. you had just come back from walking through all of the chaos after <laughs> the cabs swept the jets um have you even wrapped your head around what you might be walking into tonight uh, when leaving the building on your way to do KNR if the Habs win this game? Well, I was talking about it's funny you bring that up. I was talking uh, about it with my camera guy or the, the Sportsnet cameraman in town here, Hugo Rejambo, whose job it is to go and kind of catch the the pandemonium afterwards. And I'd asked him if like 
does he feel safe in those situations? Did he need me to kind of hang around? Because, you know, if you're a camera guy, you're blind on one side. You don't know what's happening on the other side. So I learned covering crime uh, when I used to do news that in sticky situations, you got to be on that side of the camera guy so he can feel like someone's got him covered off on that side. So it's a it's a tough situation to be in there. He was telling me that there was a certain segment of the street outside of the parking garage uh, that they didn't they didn't cordon off the street. And so the parking garage was closed down. So the players after that last series win against the Jets were stuck in the bowels of the building for an extra hour as they were waiting for people to try and clear the street so that they could actually get out of there. Um, it was, I think, I, I, I believe I told you that uh, when you were on that episode of Kenny and Rennie, I got out of the building there and, you know, young younger man Sean Reynolds would have come out and looked at that and been like, this looks like fun and got like right in there and older man Sean Reynolds, where I am now, got out, looked at this and, th- and said, this looks like trouble. I'm getting out of here and booked it straight back to the hotel i can't imagine that it's going to be any different and a full moon i mean if they win tonight boy oh boy i i am looking for the uh, i'm going to tuck my head down and race back to the hotel as quickly as i can uh because last time like i said i was chatting with riot police on the way home there are riot police stationed on every corner big uh police vehicles and sirens and that, that everywhere i mean you got to be ready for that kind of stuff. And uh, I'm sure they're going to be ready for it tonight. Dude, you need to ditch the headband and put a helmet on with a GoPro and just oh. wade into that chaos in Montreal tonight. Win or lose, I think it'll be a pretty wild night, but uh, we'll see what happens. Um, you guys are going back at it tonight. Let people know if they weren't aware. You guys are still cranking out Kenny and Rennie's after these Habs Vegas series. And uh, I imagine the plan is to get back at, at it tonight. What time do you think it'll be going? And of course, people, if you haven't already subscribed to their channel, Remus just threw the link in the chat. Make sure you are and uh, checking out what Sean and Ken have. So uh, what's on tap for tonight? Yeah, it's around uh, 11 or 11, sorry, uh, around 11.30, 11.45-ish that we usually try to go up. It all depends on my TV commitments. I kind of hold things back a little bit. But uh, yeah, we've been doing it. We try and get Eric Angles on there, who is our senior writer for for the Habs in this market, so that if anyone has questions, you know, specifically about the Habs, we got a guy who's like knows them inside and out, back and forth. But yeah, we've been having some great shows, and we've been really happy with the numbers, and still a, a lot of the same people that we typically see on Kenny and Rennie. So as long as people uh have a hunger to talk about hockey we're gonna try and uh serve something up oh looking forward to it if uh, the shows have been great you guys continue to do some great work sean uh, and uh, enjoy it tonight you're uh, a lucky guy being in that building it's going to be very very cool to see what happens it's going to be great thanks for having me on and say hi to the silver fox coming up next there and thanks oh for you got it on. he's uh, all warming up that rubber arm in the bullpen as we speak thanks for doing this uh, sean there he <laughs> thank is. you Kenny and Rennie, boys, will get going uh, a little later on tonight. Uh, put your notifications on. You'll know when they are on. Yes, Frank Saravelli does return. Just quickly before we do that, want to thank Not Auto Corp for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk since day one. Why not get into the vehicle of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? You can check out all the makes and models they have on the lot, including Manitoba's biggest selection of Teslas. And uh, do much more than just sell cars. they got a great body shop, Red Seal technicians, detailing. And, uh, and much, much more. Find out more Waverly and McGillivray at Not Auto Corp, or why not visit them online at not.ca. And uh, we got the weekend. The patios are opening, folks. So you know what that means this weekend? Maybe a few of these uh, summer loggers from Little Brown Jug, the new Hefeweizen as well on your favorite patio, or maybe you're having a few people over. You don't even need to go to the beer store. Hit up their new website at littlebrownjug.ca. 
easier than ever to get the uh, great 1919s as well as the new summer beers delivered directly to your spot. You can pick up merchandise as well. And check out the events page. If you are hitting any of the garden centers on the weekend, Little Brown Jug's been setting up at different spots. you got a full schedule. You can even select pickup at the garden center if you'd like to do that as well. Uh, but definitely, we're going to have a beautiful weather this weekend. Time to get back outside. Cheers, your friends. Hopefully you're all double vaxxed and uh, we'll get back to normal very, very soon. Littlebrownjug.ca. And of course, Breezy Bend Country Club. And, you know, Breezy and Little Brown Jug have teamed up. We've got a great promotion beginning tomorrow on the, uh, sorry, Monday on the show. And we'll end up with a massive marble race on Wednesday uh, for a great prize involving a foursome at Breezy and some great, great merch and product from Little Brown Jug. Of course, you can find out more about Breezy Bend at breezybend.ca and think about getting on the waiting list for you and your family to be a part of the great golf scene out at Breezy for next year's season. All right, let's get back to some hockey talk. One of our great friends returns, and it's Frank Saravelli with an official new home after the big announcement yesterday. He is taking his talents to dailyfaceoff.com. What's up, Frank? How you doing, Huss? Hey, man, I'm doing great. Uh, great to have you back on the program. Lots of exciting stuff to talk about when it comes to, uh, you know, the playoffs. But uh, first things first, um, a lot of people were wondering where they would get the great content that you've been crushing for a number of years. And uh, sounds like uh, you're, as I said, taking the talents to daily faceoff, which, I mean, for anyone that plays fantasy or bets, um, you know, it's a go-to site daily um excuse the pun um but there's much more to it and uh this obviously with your arrival the content is significantly going to change and i think that's great news for hockey fans tell us about it yeah thanks for the intro and all the kind words really appreciate it um i'm thrilled to be joining dailyfaceoff.com you mentioned all the info that they've had on that site for a long time uh the line combos the starting goalies all that daily fantasy and gambling info but what's awesome now is that stuff is going to remain in place and there's such a, a large viewership and traffic to that site as it is, it's a turnkey operation for someone like me to come in and build a staff and bring in some really talented people around me to ramp up the content part of it. And so that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to increase uh, some of those other gambling options in terms of uh, a subscription portal that we'll have with some gambling tools behind that. But really the content, the storytelling, the reporting, the breaking news, uh, the features, we're going to have some, we're going to have a daily streaming show, podcasts, all sorts of stuff that's going to make it really interesting. And I'm so glad that you guys have found success. Um, you know, I just think there's such a broad digital media world out there that as you guys have learned, you know, firsthand, there's so many opportunities to do something a little bit different. And I'm thrilled to be able to do that and, and also be surrounded by really talented people. Uh, the people behind the scenes at the nation network have been unbelievable to me. And, um, you know, there's a platform here, Huss. I was talking to a couple of, uh, NHL GMs this week as I was sharing my news and where I was heading, they're like, Hey, I use that site. Like I know what that is, but up until this point, sort of daily face-off has been faceless, if that makes any sense. And now we're going to put some names to that and build something awesome. Well, I got to tell you folks, if, you, if you're not a regular on the site, you certainly will become the season, but uh, make sure to get that bookmarked and uh, check out. Yeah. Well, how will it work right off the bat? I mean, we're going to get to your piece, um, you know, looking ahead to some trade targets as well as free agents, but um, you know, will you be cranking stuff out a couple times a week? Will they be a particular show or is all that sort of being built up and developed as uh, you kind of go on this new journey? 
Yeah, some of it's being worked on behind the scenes in terms of the planning. A lot of it's going to be rolled out in September and October as next season starts. But in the meantime, we've got sort of a soft launch. I'll be at the Stanley Cup final next week whenever that opens. Um, and so I'll be, you know, starting to pump out content now and and also trying to break news and, and report. Look, this is going to be such a busy time in the NHL from now until really the beginning of August and even extending into August, everyone's calendars changed. And it's funny, um, you know, in an odd way, having worked around the NHL for so long now, my body clock is saying like, why are we not having the draft right now? It's late June. Like what's going on? It's like, I'm ready for free agency. I'm ready for all these things to happen uh, as we get towards summertime and we're still knee deep in hockey and that's awesome. But um Looking forward to digging in on so many news items in the next six weeks. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned the draft. I mean, I mean, all of us, you know, you get your phone and memories of, oh, five years ago, we were in uh, this city and uh, Patrick Lyon was getting selected and whatnot. And um, now we got another couple rounds. Uh, and obviously this offseason is going to be very, very neat. We'll talk about that in just a second. The big news today was the Seattle Kraken hiring Dave Haxtell. I mean, that was, I'm not sure whether this is sort of a new way of doing business or Ron Francis is just absolutely elite and keeping things sort of under the cover but when we hadn't heard a lot about hack i mean what do you make of this hire and uh, were you surprised to hear that he was the guy that got the job not surprised um you know that they decided on a guy like dave haxtell i think they wanted someone with some experience um but i think just more the nature as you said that he wasn't really mentioned in those conversations and he is Ron Francis, a mastermind at keeping things, you know, holding his cards close to his vest. He, he likes to keep things quiet. And everyone knew that kind of heading in the fact that Dave Haxtell and Ron Francis have been having conversations on and off for more than a calendar year, like going back to last summer is rather impressive, uh, especially given the fact that until today, no one had mentioned Dave Haxtell as a candidate, but when it gets down to it and knowing Dave Haxtell a bit uh, from his time in Philadelphia and and also I, I went to North Dakota to write a story. I was in Grand Forks, not too far from you. Um, right when Dave Haxtell got hired in 2015, it was right before I left to go to TSN. And I so I went there to find out what makes Dave Haxtell tick. He's a meticulous guy. And so when you couple that with some of the experiences that he had in Philly, took that team to the playoffs in two out of his three full seasons there, and then has now gotten a chance to take a step back and maybe learn from some of those experiences, spend some time in Toronto two years as an assistant coach, now gets another crack, so to speak, with the Kraken, and to build something from scratch. I think he's a guy that makes a lot of sense. Frank Saravelli with us of Daily Faceoff now with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, listen, I do want to get to the uh, the trade target list, but quickly, just on these series right now. First up, Islanders, you can't kill them. I said they're like the undertaker of the National Hockey League. You think they're dead, and then they're not. They somehow come back from 2 nothing, thrill their fans one more time in the Coliseum, and now they're heading to Game 7. Um, I kind of I wasn't surprised they won the game the way they won it. I mean, not easy to come back, though, against a Tampa team. And I mean, listen, I know they got their asses kicked 8 nothing the last time they went to Tampa, but... For a Barry Trotz coach team, none of that is going to matter. And I imagine we're going to have a pretty tight, exciting seventh game. Yeah, and I think it all depends on what's going on with Nikita Kucherov, right? Everyone's waiting to find out what his status is uh, leaving game six. It totally changed the complexion of things. I mean, that's an enormous loss. And I know that's saying something for a team that played without him all season long. But 
the way that he transformed that power play, the way that he just stepped in leading the playoffs and points in the postseason, to take him out of your mix at such a crucial time in the series, if that is indeed the case, I think that really swings the advantage towards the Islanders. And look, they're a team that comes in. I think I hadn't really considered it in those terms, the undertaker, the way you described them, uh, that you can't kill them. And I think there's so much to be said for that. This is a team that lost an OT in game six last year to the Lightning in the conference final. They were that close to getting to the Stanley Cup final. They're knocking on that door again. And they're just a tough team to play against. They don't beat themselves. They don't make a lot of mistakes. And on a night like they did last night when they put themselves in a hole, they don't stop grinding. And so I think that's what makes their group special. I think the talent of Tampa, it would be such a shame, uh, much in the same way that it is for Vegas at this moment, down in their series to Montreal to get through kind of all that they did to this point beating two really good teams in Florida and also Carolina to then lose to the Islanders. And in this case, sort of a similar, and not that there's any crime in losing to the Islanders, but a similar situation in Vegas. You know, you survive in seven games against Minnesota. You slay the President's Trophy winner in Colorado and you lose to Montreal. Like, it's just... I don't know. Um, it's an interesting playoff in the way that all of it's unfolded. Well, and the, the Vegas situation is stunning. I mean, the the impotence of the forward group, um, the success that Montreal is having against Vegas. And I mean, Frank, you heard this all year. I mean, the North Division sucks. It doesn't even matter who wins the Montreal-Winnipeg series. They're going to get blown out in four by Colorado or Vegas. Um, I, what are you hearing about? Are, are, the, are the Habs opening some eyes around the league? I'm sure it's happened by now. I mean, this is a crazy story. They don't even have their coach right now as well, and yet they're one game away from another huge upset and a trip to the cup final. Yeah, I mean, I think if you would have told me this, though, two weeks into the regular season, the way they started the year, I wouldn't have been surprised. But all that's unfolded since then, firing Claude Julien, uh, you mentioned Dominic Ducharme. He obviously has COVID at the moment and goes down after his positive test. And they're in this spot. They're, it's just their defense is so strong. Their top four, when, you know, you see Jeff Petrie come back into the lineup and what he means, I think, you know, when you look at, at Montreal and what they've put together, there's been lots of talk this last couple of days about the maturation process of their centers and now how it's become a strength to their team. Well, I think in some ways it also high, it has highlighted the lack of center depth for the Vegas golden Knights. It, and juxtaposition. And, and so like, I look at a team like Winnipeg and I, and I say, you know, you're watching Montreal for instance, and their success. And you're saying, well, there's two kind of pillars that they've built around. It's their top four. You know, I don't know that any one of their four is better than any of the other guys in the four. It's nice to have interchangeable parts in that way and that depth. And that's sort of a lesson, lesson plan or blueprint for a team like Winnipeg. You've got a nice start at, at the moment with guys like Pionk and Marcy, and they would fit that sort of same type of mold. And then up front is that center depth. Um, you know, it's sort of been a quest for um, for the Jets, and you've seen them try and tackle it and build around it. Obviously, Stasny a couple of years ago, then Stasny comes back, and he's in that same sort of spot again. They bring in Dubois. You know, you've got Shifley. Like, they're just a team that is, you know, has some similarities that they can use from this Montreal game plan to try and move forward. Well, and speaking of center depth, I mean, let's get to it. And if you haven't seen it already, Frank's first piece of daily face-off is up from yesterday. It's the Cerevalli trade targets, 20 names in play, and you call it the summer of Jack. I mean, there's no bigger name on the board than Jack. By the way, uh, summer of Jack, I hear that, and the first thing I'm thinking is like summer of Jack Daniels. Is that wrong? 
<laughs> no, and listen, I think with things getting Brack reopened, there will be uh, there'll be plenty of Jack and many other things being poured around this country. That's for sure. Um, but who knows? Maybe Buffalo Sabres fans will be toasting the end of the Eichel era and a big trade pulled off by Kevin Adams. Um, this is a difficult spot for Adams. I mean, he's not an experienced GM. This is a franchise player, um, you know, coming off a horrible season with injury issues. Where's the where is it at right now? And what do you think it will take to get Jack Eichel to a new home, Frank? A lot. And you're right. It's an un, an unenviable position for Kevin Adams to be in because it's not just Jack Eichel. First off, dealing Jack Eichel, it's it's a losing proposition. I think you lose that trade almost every single time because even if you try and get quality in return, the focus usually at some point invariably ends up being on quantity of pieces that you get in return. There's there's no way to match really the quality part of it. And that's the tough part uh, when you trade a franchise player like Jack Eichel. And, and we all suspect that that's coming based on the way that their relationship has deteriorated and unfolded. But it, it's there's a couple other guys on that list. Sam Reinhart is a fantastic player. I mean, he's an easy 30-30 guy in this league. And he's young and he's in his prime and he's got a lot more to give. I mean, look at what he accomplished in this year, 11th in the league in goals on one of the worst teams in the league. So, you know, you've got Reinhardt, you've got Rasmus Ristolainen. Doesn't seem like anyone really wants to stay, that they're going to be building and starting again from scratch. And to do that without Jack Eichel, that really hurts. Uh, Got to ask you about Seth Jones. He's at number two. And, and maybe just touch on the entire Columbus situation right now. I mean, Torts is out. They've got a new coach. It went miserably for Line. Um, you know, the future of he, he is obviously very key to the organization. But Seth Jones with free agency staring, you know, at the end of the season seems to be a, a, a big piece. But again, teams, how much are you going to pay for a guy that you might not have certainty that you can keep him beyond a year? Well, I think that's going to be part of it right from the start, right? Like he's not going anywhere that he's not going to sign an extension. There's going to be some kind of clarity, whether it's, you know, noticed and noted up front or whether that talk occurs behind the scenes between agent and the next GM, because they're going to find that out before pulling the trigger and trading for a player like Seth Jones. That's you, you have to know. And I think that if Columbus was smart, they'd also grant that ability to speak and, and determine that because it increases their value that they can get in return. So um, I think that's going to be a big part of it. Um, Got to tell you, I had Brad Larson, the new Columbus coach on our da uh, daily Faceoff rundown podcast last week. Unbelievable conversation uh, a big believer in his comfort uh, in his own skin and the way that that came across in our conversation so um, I do think Columbus is in good hands moving forward and they're going to have a change of pace even though he was a John Tortorella uh, assistant he also was there before torts and, and I think moving forward with Seth Jones you know just as a quick question mark I mean look I, I did have to ask the question to a number of hockey people around the league when making this list in this ranking, who has more value? Is it Jack Eichel or is it Seth Jones? And I think a big part of that, um, even dealing with a Jack Eichel neck injury and a pretty significant one, it seems at that more to the point, and people were kind of bellyaching and, and I was seeing some trade proposals at the very beginning of the off season saying that the Sabres are going to have to eat some of that salary. I don't think so. Even in this flat cap world, you've got lots of teams whose uh, cap picture is improving a bit. Jack Eichel at $10 million, I think, is manageable. And I think moving forward, that contract certainty is what makes Jack Eichel a little bit more valuable and easier to trade 
than Seth Jones, knowing that you're going to need to, as you said, step up and pay him. So um, Seth Jones is a guy that there were also question marks about his longevity. You see the decline in the last couple of years. Did he hit a wall? Was there some malaise? Did anything have to do with torts, COVID, all those things? But I can tell you, Huss, and talking to a couple teams that mentioned it in the last week, is Seth Jones on the back nine of his career? It sounds funny to say for a guy who plays 26 minutes a night <laughs> and is someone that, um, you know, any team would like to have in this league when you're stepping up to maybe pay for eight years. That's a little bit of a different story. Hey, uh, just one more thing on Eichel. Uh, where's the most likely landing spots? And if Vegas loses tonight to the Montreal Canadiens, do they become a big player for Eichel? I think they would have to be in the conversation. I think you'd have to expect some change in Vegas. I mean, you heard, you know, before the playoffs started or maybe even before this round started, Kelly McCrimmon, their general manager, saying, the reason they've been able to be successful is because they've been so aggressive. And, you know, you look at just a few years ago from that team that went to the Stanley cup final to this team, there's been a number of changes and new faces that are in the mix. And I think, you know, adding to that, they don't stop it at anything to get the player that they want cap issues be damned. Uh, they found a way to navigate around almost everything to this point, squeezing in a top free agent like Alex Petrangelo last off season. And so that center depth uh, that we talked about with Vegas that could come back to bite him. Well, I'd imagine that they're going to address that in a pretty significant way, but I do think there's something to be said. You ask for destinations teams out West for Jack Eichel, um, you know, got to look at the Los Angeles Kings. You've got to look at the Anaheim ducks who want to shake things up in a big way. They've got some prospects. Both those teams are so well positioned to trade prospects and picks and then there's a number of other teams that are going to be knocking on the door around the league as well. I wonder about the Chicago Blackhawks. Some people have mentioned the New York Rangers. Um, those are all teams to keep an eye on. Um, Frank, a couple other guys in the top five. Interesting. It's kind of surprising. I mean, if you didn't, if you haven't paid attention to Washington, you'd see if Jenny Kuznetsov, number three on the list, I mean, signed long term. We know what a great player he is, but when you look at the numbers, his he has really dropped off. I mean, we're seeing the law of diminishing returns live in color. Um, what do you make of that situation? And is he a problem child in some ways like like Evander Kane? And that Kane had a career season, and yet there's still rumblings that maybe he or other people would like him in another home. Yeah, I think with both those guys, a lot of it centered, centers around off-ice issues. And with Evgeny Kuznetsov specifically, I think the Caps are just tired of his act. He's a guy that... Uh, tested positive for COVID-19 twice, maybe the only player in the league to do that. Uh, there was also a suspension at one point for violating that protocol, a team suspension. And then, of course, he was suspended from international hockey for four years for testing positive for cocaine. So um, no one's sitting here saying Evgeny Kuznetsov is a bad guy. But I think moving forward, the Caps, who have lost a number of years now since winning the Stanley Cup in the first round, are saying, Maybe this guy is not part of the solution and he's part of the problem. The difficulty is for a guy that, you, as you pointed out, has diminished production-wise, still has a pretty significant ticket with, I think, four years left on his deal that they're going to have to try and navigate around in order to move him. But I have no doubt in my mind that they are actively trying to move Genny Kuznetsov. It just may be until after they pay his $5 million signing bonus that's due in July. And with regards to Evander Kane, um, I'm not sure that there's a ton new there in the sense that if you're from Winnipeg, you've heard all the innuendo, um, you know, you're familiar with the story and the friction. And 
it surfaced in San Jose again. And there has been the players in the Sharks team have acknowledged that friction and brought it up in their exit interviews. I don't know exactly what was said, but I can tell you that more than one player voiced his frustration and concern um, in their exit interviews with Doug Wilson. And whether or not the change actually happens, that's the fascinating part. But I I think it's something that the Sharks would probably have to explore. Um, But the hard part, he did have a career year. He led the team in scoring. He's one of the best players at his position and specifically in his role with what he brings to the lineup and that relentless forechecking. The best season of his career and and is probably, when you add things up, paid appropriately. But how do you move him? You know, would, Do you have to take less in return because of some of those off-ice issues? Do you have to you know, eat some of that salary? All those things are... Um, are questions that Doug Wilson's going to have to answer. This, these are choppy waters to navigate in the Bay Area because it's. Um, I don't envy the position that the Sharks are in between the Kane situation and between those three guys on defense earning massive contracts for a team that uh, has a long way to go to get back in the mix. Uh, folks, uh, there's 20 names on this list. We can't get to all of them, but going right down to the bottom, it was interesting to see a member of the Winnipeg Jets made that list. And Sammy Niku was sort of a forgotten member of the club this year, uh, barely played. Um, you know, a regular in the press box or part of the taxi squad. Uh, just maybe expand on that a little bit, Frank. And uh, what more are you hearing or thinking? Or what intrigues you about this Jets offseason heading into the expansion draft and, of course, free agency with, you know, a pretty significant need on the blue line? Yeah, with regards to Sammy Niku, I think everyone's disappointed probably that it's gotten to this point. There was a lot of hope that he could be a guy that could step in and be really productive. Um, and find a way to make it as a full-time NHLer. And I think, um, you know, the Jets are open to the possibility of, of Sammy Niku finding a new spot. The fact that he hasn't been able to break through and be that player um, that the Jets wanted him to be. And, you know, a fresh start essentially is just what's on the horizon, I believe. Uh, and it helps that he's also signed to a really manageable league minimum ticket that makes it easy to move. Uh, don't know exactly what they're looking for in return, probably a similar type player in a similar situation. But I think with regards to the Jets and their offseason, I, you know, I think I mentioned it you know, when talking about the Vegas Golden Knights and, and the Montreal Canadiens in that series and sort of the lessons that we're learning from that. Those are all sort of the ideals that the Jets are trying to you know, get to and attain is, is having that depth on defense, adding as many top four guys, quality players as you can. Um, I think that's been the real staple to success in the playoffs. I think the Jets know it, but I think the Jets are in a spot where, unfortunately, it's tough to, to get guys into Winnipeg via free agency. It's a thing that you have to make happen by trade. And, you know, that's no knock on the city. Like I love Winnipeg and I would live there in a heartbeat. And I don't say that because I'm on your show. I've always enjoyed every one of my stops there. Um, But moving forward, that's just the reality that the Jets are living with and dealing with um, in terms of building their roster. Now, that being said, if you can't count on a big addition via free agency, um, it certainly does put more pressure on Kevin Sheveldayoff to make some moves. And, you know, whether that's something, uh, let me ask you this, Frank, because I brought this up with Murata Tesh earlier. When Vegas did the expansion draft, they loaded up on defensemen. And I think four or five of those guys ended up being with other teams by the time the next season starts. Could Sheveldayoff working with Seattle on potentially acquiring a player or two that's exposed from other teams, maybe be the path to the Jets, at least, fortifying the defense maybe not getting that star guy for the top pairing 
why do you need to work with Seattle? I mean, they've got the uh, they've got the expansion board right in front of them. I'm sure that they've done their homework and they've got every team mapped out in terms of which players are going to need to be exposed and which aren't. I think there are a few teams around the league that have some vulnerabilities. And I use that term loosely because at some point everyone knows that you're losing a player. Um, but I look at a team like Toronto, for instance, Travis Dermott is by all accounts likely to be available. So he's a guy that could be on the move, whether Seattle takes him or does Toronto make a deal with another team, say Winnipeg to move a guy like that. Um, and so I think those are the types of transactions that could happen. Everyone's going into this eyes wide open and understanding, um, you know, which players are likely to be available and which aren't. I, I don't think there's going to be very many surprises. Um, and I do expect to see some more transactions between teams this time, as opposed to teams transacting only with the expansion team, which is what we saw as sort of the brilliance from George McPhee and building the Vegas Golden Knights through that expansion draft was that scaring teams into making deals with him only as opposed to dealing with others um, that has paid dividends and is still paying dividends for the golden Knights. I just don't think that same fear exists this time around uh, having teams having recently gone through it. Yeah, no, I guess what I'm, uh, what I'm speculating or suggesting is that maybe, you know, if there's a player like a Dermot that the jets really wanted and, and you know, the jets have maybe some young players or picks that Seattle would like, essentially Seattle taking that player and then and once slotting it's over, him over right. and then trading him over for something else that might make more sense for them long-term. Um, I, I'd it's be possible, but I, I also think it's safe to point out that, or fair to point out that Seattle, look at the guy running the team, Ron Francis, and then now look at the, the Carolina Hurricanes and the roster that Don Waddell's had. They're actually still enjoying that embarrassment of riches on defense that you're finally now going to see one or two of those guys plucked off this summer you know, he that was his MO was acquire as many defensemen as possible. That team eight, nine, ten defensemen deep throughout their organization. That's that's probably gonna be a big play in his playbook as he's building Seattle as well. So they're not gonna be easy to come by through Ron Francis. No doubt about it. Frank, listen, this has been awesome having you on the program. Thanks so much for doing this. And uh, for maybe folks that have just popped in again, where can people see you? And uh, um, I, I imagine it'll be a little bit quieter in the summer. But the fact of the matter is, as you just pointed out, I mean, we're still a ways away from getting into that sort of dead time of the offseason mm -hmm. with a cup final to come an expansion draft, a draft and, of course, free agency. So I'm sure you'll be busy right off the get go. It'll all be at dailyfaceoff.com. Really excited to build something special. We'll have that soft launch, as I talked about, between now and the end of the summer uh, content. We'll have tons of it. And I'm looking forward to building out a team with some names that you'll know, uh, bringing them over with me to Daily Faceoff. Right on. Well, Frank, listen, really appreciate it. Good luck with everything. And uh, let's do this again soon. Enjoy these games tonight. Thanks, Hoss. Take care. Right on. There he is, Frank Saravelli. Frank underscore Saravelli with this new home daily face-off. Really excited for Frank and uh, really appreciate him joining us today here on WST. Hey, uh, big shout out to our friends at Boston Pizza. Pop by there yesterday to pick a couple things up. And uh, they're working on some expanded patios at some of the locations. And, of course, they're looking forward so much to welcoming everybody back starting on Saturday. Limited indoor dining, outdoor dining on the patios. The uh, weather's going to be nice. And when you get there, they've got a new, I'm just going to throw this out, new summer menu, including 
know if you can see that, the uh, Burger Italiano. And this is going to be huge. Winnipeg taking over the world. The Honey Dill Fried Chicken Sandwich. Check that one out there, folks. So uh, we've got all the good ones. The, the game day meal still there. The pizza flights. But a couple things. And a couple new beverages as well, including the Bulldog Margarita Fish Bowl. Be delicious to have out on the patio. The White Sangria Smash. And, of course, some of those busy hard seltzers uh, all available on the summers here menu at Boston Pizza available now when you are welcome back coming up on Saturday. Shout out to Aikens Lake. Can't wait to get them out, uh, get out there a little bit later on this summer. World class fly in fishing resort right here in Manitoba. You can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg. If you're thinking about doing something within the province this year, I can't suggest Aikens enough. Find out more online, AikensLake.com, or hit them up on Twitter, PitTeren, at Aikens Lake. And uh, Assiniboy Downs, what a night last night at the track. Had one big win of my bets, so did have a nice night. Uh, Michael Remus, not so much, but I have so much ground to catch up. It was bound to happen sooner or later. Uh, We're off of live racing up before Monday but, of course, with HPIBet.com, you can bet on tracks and races from around the world. Of course, we'll be back at it with our Duel at the Downs on Monday, 6.45 every day. Check out ASD Live, where uh, Kirk Marshall and Stretch give their thoughts and insights into this evening's races. And as I said, we're also waiting for clarity as to when we might be able to uh, show up in person and bet the ponies at the track. That certainly that information will be coming soon. All right, let's get Remus back in here. We've got a number of things to touch on before the end of the program. Great to see everyone with us here. And by the way, if you are with us live on YouTube, do us a favor, hit that thumbs up button. We can certainly help the likes. And if you haven't already hit the red subscribe button, make sure you do that and join us on a daily basis here on the program. Um, Remo, great stuff with Frank and uh, and Rennie. I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to this game tonight. But after talking with Frank, there is a part of me that's looking forward to just getting past the Stanley Cup final and getting through to the offseason because, man, there's a lot of juicy stories around the league and a lot of intrigue when it comes to the expansion draft and free agency, particularly when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets. Yes, Huss, uh, Winnipeg Jets, Sammy Nuku, number 20 on Frank's list of uh, trade targets is what it's now called and jack eichel number one a lot to get to on there so uh i mean as frank said you look at the normal hockey calendar i'm getting alerts on my phone as you said uh 10 years ago today jets drafting mark shifley what was it five years ago they're drafting patrick line but we were a month away from the expansion draft and then the nhl draft and then free agency so lots to go but jack eichel seth jones those seem like the names to watch and as far as the Jets, Sammy Niku, number twenty. Uh, I've been hearing that for a while. We'll see. But I think for the expansion draft, who are they going to protect? Who are they going to lose? How are they going to address their blue line? Seems like it's going to be through trade rather than free agency. Uh, a couple things to watch for the Jets. Yeah, the Eichel, the Eichel story is fascinating to me as to where he ends up. And you know, I heard that Anaheim wants to get him, but they don't want to trade Zegras or Drysdale. And I'm looking at, well, what the hell are they going to trade to get Jack Eichel out of Buffalo? What's Kevin Adams going to do? LA maybe a little bit different with some of their younger players and prospects, but I mean, to trade a guy like Jack Eichel with five years of term left on his contract, you really need to get a number of pieces that you know, can be mainstays in your lineup. And, you know, the young picks and prospects, even first rounders this year, Reem, I mean, I'm not sure they have the value that they've had in the past because of, you know, the lack of playing by many of the prospects and the difficulty of scouting these guys. So, 
You know, where Jack Eichel ends up is fascinating. Although I do have to laugh when every single time a player like this is up for, you know, potentially being moved. Why are the New York Rangers always listed as, oh, he might be going to New York? I mean, at a certain point, you can't trade for every single player. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, it's New York. I don't know. They did have the number one pick last year. You know, maybe they uh, cut bait and I guess, uh, accelerate I guess things. Yeah, if, if Lafreniere was a part of a package, I bet Kevin Adams would listen. Um, but again, I mean, you've got Trouba on a big money deal. You've got Panarin making over 11 millimeters. It's not yeah. easy to take younger players on an ELC and some picks and replace that with a $10 million center on the books for another five years. Yes, uh, I agree. So uh, as you've seen in Montreal, or not Montreal, Toronto, it is very tough to have a couple guys with making over 10 mil. And do you want to go down that route? It's funny, uh, you know, Lafreniere this time last year, I think his rookie card was going for like a couple hundred bucks. I think his, the market for that has uh, gone downhill, but I mean, he's still pretty young and I don't think uh, the jury, I don't think you can make any, uh, you know, jump conclusions after one rookie season. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, Pete C 2021. Welcome to the chat, Pete. Hit that subscribe button and give us a like. He wants to know, I want to watch the gold eyes this summer. Is it possible? Damn right. Well, first of all, you can watch them, um, you know, playing the games in Tennessee if you want to watch on television. And I do want to give a shout out to Steve Schuster, who calls the games. He filled the huge shoes left by Paul Edmonds when he moved over to the hockey side of things with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Schuster does such a great job of calling the games. I, I often I think the games are on 93.7 FM. It's like normally like a nostalgia station or something like that, but they've got all the games. Schuster's with him. We'll have Steve actually on at some point, um, get a little bit of an update on uh, what's been a sort of a tough trying season so far for the Gold Eyes. But as far as fans in the building, um, this is a unique situation because it depends so much on the border as well as rules for vaccinated Americans coming over the border. So all that is going to be worked out, I'm sure, over the next few weeks. I don't think there's another border update scheduled. The earliest it could open would be the 21st of July. Um, so fingers crossed that the Gold Eyes might be back, let's say, in August, and we might be able to get a chance to get a few games in during that month before the end of the season. Of course, we'll keep you up to date on all of that here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, Remo, what uh, what else do you want to get to before the end of the program? I, I do have some fast food intel that I will save till the end of the program. I know people are uh, waiting. I mean, there are a few things that I am expert and uh, have expert takes on. Fast food certainly was in, and there's a, a new product I, I do want to mention too. But uh, do, do we have a burner story involving Jay Williams? I did not hear this, but I'm I'm all ears for it if you've got it for us. Yeah, Jay Williams like sent out some tweet yesterday, you know, former NBA uh, player, and he tweeted something about the Celtics. Oh, I forget what it was. Think about their coach. I have to pull it up. But um, he posted after, he says, as it relates to the Boston Celtics tweet that came from my account a couple of hours ago, I did not post that. And my passcode has now been changed. And um, something, let me pull up the original tweet. No one buys it. It was the biggest BS. <laughs> like, it was just another, you know, my account got hacked excuse. Not everyone's accounts get hacked, okay? Like, own it. <laughs> Say you tweeted something you shouldn't have. Um, oh, it was about, uh, he sent a tweet about they were going to hire uh, someone as uh, as head coach. And then he said, oh, no, my account got hacked. Like, no one is hacking. Hacked, and, that, and, and that's what they're putting out. Like, yeah, no one is. All the is, things. Yeah. So, 
I don't under understand. Um, you know, people can make mistakes, come out and own it. I want to find the original tweet, but no one bought that. No one bought that excuse. We always enjoy well, when people like say, oh, my account got hacked. Like, I don't think anyone hacking is not like a catch all statement. I mean, it's pretty, pretty clear. <laughs> I didn't do it. No idea how that was tweeted from my account. Um, but just so you know, I've changed my password. Let's move on. Let's put this behind us. Uh, funny Jay Williams. Other story that is getting a lot of run on social media is how god awful ugly the Major League Baseball All Star uniforms are this year. Now, maybe Reem, they didn't have a lot of time to redesign them because, of course, this game was originally going to be in Atlanta. Then Major League Baseball moved it to Colorado based on some political stuff that's going on down in the South. Um, but I got to tell you, if you're if you're with us on YouTube, check these out. Uh, if not. Whatever. If you're listening on the podcast, just go into Twitter and type in MLB All-Star jersey and you'll see them. The Caps, I guess they've got a little bit of the Rockies purple in a star behind them. But the jerseys themselves, Remo, I mean, are maybe the most simple and dull, boring, lacking creativity that I, I can remember. Um, I, I, Going out on a limb, I don't think these are going to be hot sellers this year. Yeah, a lot of outrage about these. Um, the caps are fine. I'm not crazy about the red. I guess that's for because it's supposed to be in Atlanta, and then because of you know some of their strict voting laws, MLB moved the game to uh, say, "Hey guys, it's not cool." So they moved it to Colorado, and the uh, the caps are okay. The red, I'm not crazy about. They have the purple star behind. Sure, that's fine. But the jerseys, I think, our people are up in arms. MLB All Star Game has been a bit weird to me uh, growing up. Um, you know, the players didn't wear American League National League jerseys. They wore their own jerseys in the All-Star game. And I always thought that was weird. Some people thought that's cool, you know, that they're repping their own team with a, maybe a special hat. But this year, they're going to be rocking these, whatever this is, the <laughs> white shirt with the team's abbreviation going down the, the chest, you know, left side of your chest. With the logo on top of it, I mean, I don't understand the logo placement. Why are you having the three letters and the logo? They are terrible. So the, these are awful. They're getting dragged uh, on social media, and I think rightfully so. And this is from um, sportslogos.net. Uh, Great website uh, breaking down all this. I mean, these are, are pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, everything is bad about them. Everything is bad. The, the red three-letter initials. And then the logo on top, so you can't even see the initial. Like who? We talked about the Oilers jerseys the other day, and we're like, who's making these decisions? I know they put like months and months of planning into this, but like this is horrible. Like who's looking at this and saying this is good? That's what uh, I want to know. Not many people. I don't know how those got passed, but um, anyways, they'll be duds sales wise, and they'll all be in the lids clearance section in about two months after the game. Book that for sure. Um, let's get to the cool bet lines of the day. Uh, tonight, of course, we have Game 6, Vegas and the Habs, Montreal plus 121 to finish the job at home, Vegas minus 137. And for tomorrow's Game 7 between the Islanders and Lightning, it's plus 144 for the Islanders and minus 164 for the Lightning. Series price right now for the Golden Knights and Canadians. Vegas plus 140 if you think they can win game six and game seven. Habs minus 172 to win one of the next two games. 
And we didn't spend a lot of time on this yesterday because the games were going on. But with the wild finishes in the group of death, we now have the odds and the matchups for the Euro 2020 round of 16. It's going to start with Wales and Denmark. Uh, Denmark, a heavy favorite over Wales in that game. Italy, a big favorite against Austria. Uh, Netherlands taking on the Czech Republic. Netherlands, the clear favorite in that game. Very even game, relatively. Belgium, Portugal. Belgium plus 150. Portugal plus 220. And a draw plus 215. Uh, Spain, significant favorite, minus 154 over Croatia. France, minus 185 fave over Switzerland, who is plus 666 if uh, you want to take them to win. England-Germany, what a matchup that will be in the second last game. That's on the 29th. England plus 166, Germany plus 190, draw 222. And Sweden, a slight favorite over Ukraine in the final game of the round of 16. Uh, I don't know what you read. I don't know if you've watched a lot of it. I mean, I've certainly kind of tuned into the second half of games after we've uh, we've been done. Uh, but man, they certainly have most of the top teams making it through. And um, this is where it really gets fun, getting into these round of 16 games. Elimination games with so much on the line and doesn't take much to look around, even though we haven't been able to do it here in Manitoba, at just how big the world takes these big international tournaments with the team's best players representing their countries. Yeah, normally I'm pretty all in on the soccer, but maybe with this weird timing, uh, you saw hockey going on, Major League Baseball. Uh, here's the winners. You got France. They're the, uh, the favorite right now. Where's my team? Belgium, plus 950. There they are down there. So I haven't been watching as much as I uh, normally do for international soccer, but I mean, it's on, it's in the background. I guess, you know, I'm blaming that. I'm blaming that I watch uh, hockey. I'm choosing to watch the hockey playoffs. I mean, these are on during the day and the hockey's at night. So that's, ex- I've poked holes in that excuse right now. <laughs> yeah, I got an outright from Belgium pre-tournament that plus 675. So uh, I'm not sure why. I guess it might be more the path. And Germany, who was plus 850, at the beginning of the tournament, now plus 650, now that they're out of the group of death. Anyways, uh, if you've been enjoying the uh, if you've been enjoying the Euros, get ready for the weekend. The elimination games get going. And of course, if you want to bet on them, you can get to coolbet.com. Use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. Um, and again, you can bet on stuff from all around the world with our friends at CoolBet, the most transparent sports book online. Remo, what's up tonight? You going to watch this game? Hockey? The game seven? Absolutely. Game, game yeah. six tonight. The halves. Oh, sorry. The game six. The Vegas I'm, Golden Knights. I'm looking ahead. We do have to cut, you know, speaking of the Vegas, we do have to touch on one thing that this has been an uh, international incident, at least in Montreal. The Celine Dion picture. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, from a couple days ago. Where's the, uh, I don't have the picture up. I do have her tweet. So we all saw the other day the picture of Celine Dion in a Vegas. It was clearly photoshopped of her wearing a Vegas helmet, you know, cheering for Vegas during Montreal. Well, the Montreal Gazette called her a traitor. I think I think people were calling her family and harassing her on the phone for that, Hus. Uh, <laughs> Habs fans, really? Uh, Jeez, <laughs> that's, I, I, that's shocking. That's never happened before. <laughs> but uh, she had to put out a statement today in French. Uh, here's the thing, and I'll do the read the translated version from Google. Um, happy Saint John Baptiste to all Quebecers. I embrace you and wish you a happy National Day. 
By the way, I have nothing to do with this photo, and you know the photo I'm talking about. However, Hus, I don't think that pleases all Habs fans. I mean, she didn't say, go Habs, go. She well, didn't Gabe say, Renzi, yeah, she didn't like, say, go Habs. No, she did not. Gabe, uh, hashtag Celine Dion says she didn't support Vegas born. They did it without her knowing. You notice she doesn't say go Habs go, but she has nothing to do with it. <laughs> I love I love how Celine Dion has become a central figure in this Vegas Montreal series. I guess we should have seen it coming right from the get go. Yeah, I think I think we should have seen that one coming. I mean, it's right there for everyone. Um, she, you know, she's performing in Vegas. You know, she's that residency there. She's from you know Montreal. I think we missed the boat on this one, not recognizing it earlier. Uh, damn, we did see um, Tim Raines though, former Expo at the game. He was repping uh, Montreal uh, face masks, so that was pretty cool. But yeah, yeah, so yeah. You know, oh, Reigns has been been awesome. Reigns will be back there for Game Seven, I'm sure, rocking his Expos hat and his Habs jersey if uh, if Vegas can get it done tonight. I I'm kind of feeling the Habs, to be honest with you. I mean, just how bad Vegas looked last night. I mean, listen, I don't think we should be surprised if Vegas comes and wins, but um, I don't know if Montreal should really be the underdog at home that they are tonight. I mean, they've got a lot going on. They should have won the last two games, but. Yeah, here's their opportunity to get it done. And uh, and it sounds like Laner is going to be the goalie going forward. And I sort of expected that after Fleury lost game five. But it is, Remus, as I mentioned to, to Sean and to, to Frank, kind of stunning that the guy that is a Vesna Trophy finalist that's won all but one of the games in the playoffs is not going to be starting an elimination game for Vegas tonight. Yes, I, I agree with you. But they have another guy who's also very good. So, but I think flip-flopping goalies is a bad move, but it seems to have worked. It's amazing when you say, like, Fleury is 1-3 and three against Montreal. Not not great. So maybe you, when you say it like that, it does kind of make sense to go with the other guy who you signed in the offseason to replace Fleury. But Fleury's been playing uh, incredible all season long and throughout the playoffs one. I mean, he's he is the guy who carried you there, but maybe he's just not getting it done. Although, they haven't scored. And uh, Montreal keeps, keeps shutting down all these top offenses. Uh, Toronto, Winnipeg, although they didn't have Shifley, but uh, now Vegas. I'm seeing Larry Bong, shout out Larry, uh, in the chat says, Vegas wears the golden helmets tonight. Now, I'm sure Larry's probably just cracking, um, but I'll tell you what, I would be all for it. I am one of the few people that loves the shiny golden helmets. I think they're, uh, I think they're amazing. The problem was they weren't winning originally when they wore them and i think they got a little superstitious so they canned them i think they only won one or two games wearing those things this year um but listen i would be here for it vegas has to change something up although i think they need to play better as opposed to wear different colored helmets for tonight's game if they want to beat montreal and as we said i'm looking to look forward i'll check in on kenny and rennie tonight when they're done the um the aftermath of this game could be absolutely insane. If the Habs win on St. John Baptiste Day and they're going to the Stanley Cup, I think we're going to see scenes in Montreal that we haven't seen in decades. And hopefully everything will be chill, cool, excited, but no uh, no damage. Um, but anyways, we're going to have to have to see on that. Remo, before we go, um, I've got a bit of intel for uh, the folks on the... Uh, everyone knows I've been walking these fast food streets daily for... A long, long time. And um, I mean, listen, given my druthers, I would jump on a Ultimate Grill Burger from DQ. But I was uh, doing a quick drive through to McDonald's yesterday before I went out on the river. Uh, I was just going to grab, you know, a McDouble or something like that. And I saw 
the Grand Big Mac. Are you familiar with the Grand Big Mac? Had you heard of the Grand Big Mac before I brought it to your attention? I had never heard of it. Uh, I I don't know anything about the Grand Big Mac. So it was a bigger Big Mac, basically, that they put out in the States originally. And I'm not sure whether this is something that's being test marketed here, because I really haven't seen a whole bunch of ads for it. And that's usually something, you know, when particularly McDonald's cranks something out, they'll do it. But anyways, the Grand Big Mac. So I go through the drive through and I just said to the guy, I said, hey, what's the what's grand about the Grand Big Mac? How does it change? He goes, well, to put it in perspective. The patties on a Big Mac are a four. The patties on a quarter pounder are a 10. The grand Big Mac patties are a seven. So it's a bigger patty, not thicker, but larger, a bigger bun, extra lettuce. Um, It's essentially like a Big Mac that's about 50% bigger, but it's the, the consistency of it is the same. It's not thicker like a quarter pounder. Um, so anyways, I had it. I give it two thumbs up. I give it the endorsement. I see uh, my other partner in crime on these fast food streets, Carter Chen, went and got one today, and he's um, tweeted out a picture of it. So if you're interested, if you're interested in the Grand Big Mac. Um, now, Mitch is saying, isn't the Grand Big Mac just the Big Mac most of us grew uh, grew up with before McDonald's steadily shrunk them over the years? Nice try, though. Like, I'm, I think that's fake news. Mitch, I don't, I think we're just, you know, we think back to, you know, when you're a kid, everything looks bigger. Now, I don't think the Big Mac has significantly shrunk over the years. I think everything else, like the fries and whatnot, have gotten bigger and maybe has made the old Big Mac, frankly, not look as big. And that's why there was the need for the grand Big Mac ream. Can I say something with the Big Mac? Um, that bread in the middle, that third bun. It's not necessary. I don't need to eat all that bun. Give me more more meat. I guess they're doing that. I'm not really a Big Mac guy. I just order from the Value Picks menu. But I will say McDonald's app uh, is elite among all the fast food apps. I think it's the best one. That and then Starbucks. Um, if anyone has any other good apps, I only order on the app now. And I only check the offers section of the app. So until that LeGrand Big Mac goes to the offer section, I won't be uh, touching it. <laughs> that's ridiculous i'll yes. just say that <laughs> you're really limiting your uh your ordering possibilities with that ream uh rob mahoney though says remo speaks the truth <laughs> one bird wb this whole mcdonald's conversation is not necessary yeah and disgusting hustler uh no yeah. this is the thing we are corporate shills mcdonald's sponsoring show no mcdonald's is not this is this is reality and We're- listen one bird, one bird. Let's get straight here. Yeah. Um, it's not like this is not something that a lot of people can relate to. Now, you may be not a customer of fast food, but guess what? There is a ton of people that are and a lot of people that are here. And I figured I would give them a tip on this new item that they may have heard about it so they can determine whether they want to get it or not. You certainly don't have to. You definitely don't have to. We won't twist anyone's rubber arm. And then I did get me going down the other road, Remo, of wondering about i don't know if mcdonald's still has the plant-based um burger but i know burger king's advertising this impossible whopper all the time and it got me thinking like for the amount of tv they put towards this what do you think the percentage of impossible whoppers sold per ads are i bet it's like one or two like i'm still not convinced that anyone really buys this like if you wanted to go on a healthy decision are you going to burger king anyways 
Like, I just don't understand if there's the market on these fast food streets for things like the Impossible Whopper. And uh, I guess we'll find out if they're still on the menu in three or four months. One bird's going off. We we all agree to buy local, <laughs> but fast food places exist. Believe me, I order local all the time. One bird, you can you can take a chill pill. Um, yeah, I don't. I'll I don't be. Want... I'll have a daily burger a little later on today. That's my go to yeah. right down the street. Trust yeah. me. There's there's been, plenty of uh, I've been ordering to new be burger. <laughs> I've been ordering the Grove K One Bird. Uh, calm down. Um, she's burger shaming us. Yeah, she's. We're, we're, we're getting burger we're being burger shamed on our own show by One Bird. And uh, Tracy, uh, this is a valid point from Tracy. A true vegan vegetarian won't eat the Impossible Whopper because it's cooked on the same grill as the beef ones. And you know what? I actually kind of, I kind of agree with Tracy. As far as fast food places offering like Beyond Meat, my wife always says to me, you know what? Those those plant plant based, you know, fake meat burgers or whatever, just have as many preservatives as the regular thing. They're not good for you. I know they marked them as an alternative, but uh, she's one someone who you know maybe would be the market you know market for those. And she's like, I don't I don't uh, trust that. So that's personally. How I, but I go yeah, for those. That, that's sort of just the way I was always wondering about this. Like, and I guess, you know, in today's day and age, it's important that they have sort of healthy options or can say that they have. But I would bet that the those plant-based products in fast food joints is less than 1% of sales. I would be stunned yeah, no, if no, it was more than that. Nobody is going to a fast food place for those. No, yeah, I agree. Know your role. As uh, The Rock would say to fast food Jet Oil places. Tom just put in WFFT, Winnipeg Fast Food Talk. It's hilarious you okay. say that. We literally were talking about doing that before the show, saying I yeah. might have to address the Grand Big Mac situation. And I will say this one bird as well, and for everyone else wondering why we would mention this, I made one comment on Twitter last night about the Grand Big Mac, and literally the notifications were going for the next two hours because there's few things that more people can relate to than things like fast food and just about everyone has a take on it so uh anyways i remo this was you know end of the show have a little fun there's the tip on the grand big mac i had it liked it um but it's basically a simple just a bit of a bigger big mac if you're into it but yes i will not be getting the grand big mac i'm going to daily burger i'll be getting a deluxe cheeseburger and some fries and a drink they've got a great combo down there and yes support your local burger joint it could be it could be a quest for wfft remo to go and try every fat boy in town and do a review of all of them and find the most elite fat boy. That that would be a labor of love, I can tell you, for uh, the person on the left side of your screen. Yes, uh, I, I agree. I agree with you. Uh, so maybe one time, you know, when these restaurants open, we can go in, uh, follow us on Instagram, and uh, maybe we'll post some burger reviews or some food reviews because we do want to get into the uh, the food content. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, we know why people are here at one o'clock. We're getting the sports talk, but mm -hmm. um, we've got a lot of time on our hands. So <laughs> we may add a little bit more some WNST Winnipeg non-sports talk, which will inevitably probably go to burgers, pizza and other things that we'd like to have. Um, great stuff today, man. Good show. And uh, tomorrow should be great as well. Friday, we've got Jeff Hamilton coming on. I know the hammer will be all fired up with some hot takes. We'll talk about the hockey. We'll get the latest um, of what he's reporting in and around the Canadian Football League. Talk about the Bombers upcoming season and uh, be a great way to get into the weekend with the countdown to 12 on one Saturday when uh, much of what we've been going through will be diminished at least a little bit. We'll be able to get together with friends outside and maybe even go hit up the Boston Pizza patio and uh, have a beer and a pizza too. 
I have plans for a 1201 for a large gathering of uh, what <laughs> under 10 people in my backyard. That's that's planned right now. You don't I'm actually, stay up that late. I am most excited for um, Costco expanding to 25% capacity. It's impossible to get in there at 10%. I'm not lining up. So I need to do a big shop. Got to get some more Kirkland granola bars. You're uh, such an online chicken. guy. I can't believe you're not ordering online. I don't want to. I don't want to pay the. Um, I don't pay the fee, the delivery fee for that. I think they mark it up really hard on Instacart. But you so. can't just order everything and just go and pick it up. No, I don't think so. They don't have that really, at Costco. Really? I've done it for a Superstore and it works great. Yeah, but um. Well, speaking of local, yeah. I'll give a shout out to Food Fair. Uh, and yeah. I know there's a number of food fairs around, but they actually will deliver. I see people coming by here all the time uh, for maybe some of the older folks around the neighborhood getting their uh, the deliveries on. Or some people that are just freaked out and still don't want to go out in public due to COVID. Whatever the reason is, those are your services. So we've hit fast food, groceries, yeah. a whole bunch of other non-sports topics to finish up the show. That being said, Laner, Price, tonight. Will there be a Game 7, Michael Remus, between Vegas and Montreal? That yeah. is the final question today. You know, Vegas has actually looked pretty bad uh, the last couple of games. I mean, they looked awesome to start, and I am going to say yes. I, just because I want to see double Game 7, I think it'll be awesome. And it, will it be Saturday night, the Game 7? on? I think if the fix were truly in, they would go for it. Maybe the officials. So two, TBD on Saturday, tomorrow night at 7 for the Islanders, Tampa. I'm saying yes, double Game 7. Let's go. Yeah, what, I don't know. I think the Habs might get it done tonight, and it might be absolute chaos. I I, I don't have a lot of faith in Vegas right now. Our ch- I put out the poll. I people have been saying more polls, more polls. I had the poll in the YouTube chat. I put it up on screen briefly. Uh, I have to scroll up because everyone just fired up about the fast food. I can't even find the result. I think it was like sixty-seven percent in the chat thing. Montreal. <laughs> so Tristan I, Rivers music. Montreal is repeating ninety-three. McDonald's should too. McPizza. There's a lot of yeah. people that love that love that McPizza. That's hilarious. Oh, Tracy. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Tracy is us da- is Daily Burger that good? I've been meaning to try it. It's great. Twenty years uh, according to Daily, and um. Yeah, they got a great little combo, deluxe cheeseburger, fries, drink. It's like yeah. 11 bucks. Elite, elite. Yeah. I mean, like many of the great fat boys in uh, so many of those local restaurants around around Winnipeg. It's hard to find a bad one, um, but definitely the daily one is good if you're uh, if you're in the neighborhood. Yeah, I've been there. It's it's solid and you're close to it around the corner. Uh, always a uh, a solid pick. Is that, you is that it. it for today? Do we have anything else you want to get to? Well, there's just a whole bunch of comments in here. I want to give a shout out that the, uh, yeah, Mitch, the McDee's is coming out with the grand quarter pounder that is actually a quarter pound. LOL. <laughs> it's just still on this. Samuel, thanks for coming out. Good luck to your Habs tonight. Remo with the people's elbow. Um, yes, I <laughs> have to wander down to daily and get one. Um, Tristan Rivers Music is here. Had to stand up for Diet Pop. It's true. By the way, I ran out and I was on water today. So um, I will. Uh, Hustlers Diet Pepsi. I'm sorry that uh, I didn't provide you more content today uh, in on it. But uh, that's it, Superboys. We will do a vote at some point with your suggestions for the best fat boys. And yeah, we'll go make some internet videos as we are now officially mm. YouTubers and podcast guys. Uh, but no, great show today, Reem. Looking forward to a big show Friday, heading into the weekend and a great game tonight. Yeah, it'll be good. Um, what time is it at? Seven in Montreal? Or is it six? I should probably know that. Uh, I am here. That's a good... It's at seven. It's at seven. 
Yeah, yeah, so, 7 o'clock, right? That's late. That's Vegas late. Time. Eastern time zone. Uh, that's 8 o'clock there. Got to accommodate yeah. uh, Vegas. I'm kind of yeah, surprised well, as they make them start at 8. I haven't heard yeah, too much complaining. They've done that the whole series. They've done that the whole series. Well, it's not too bad. Yeah, they're not starting yeah. at like 9.30 or whatever, like sometimes yeah. happens here. Anyways, folks, big yeah. thanks to uh, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Royal Sports, PolicyMe.com, Boston Pizza, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake, Assiniboia Downs, and of course, CoolBet.com. I'll uh, hit up the lines on our Twitter feed. Make sure you're following us at Sports Talk Winnipeg on all of the platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And uh, on your way out, folks, do us a favor, hit that like button. And if you haven't already subscribed to the YouTube channel, make sure you hit that red button. And join us again tomorrow, 1 o'clock right here for Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Big thanks to Sean Reynolds. Check out Kenny and Rennie tonight after Habs Vegas. And of course, Frank Saravelli in his new home at Daily Faceoff. Folks, have a great night. Enjoy the game. We'll talk to you tomorrow for a fun Friday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk live at 1 o'clock here on YouTube and in your podcast feed later on this afternoon. Adios. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.